0: Let's begin today's discussion. Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. Here's
1: your host, Stacy Jones.
0: Welcome to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. I'm Stacy Jones. I'm so happy to be here with you all today. and want to give a very warm welcome to Todd Hockenberry, co-author of Inbound Organization, How to Build and Strengthen Your Company's Future Using Inbound Principles. He also is the podcast host of The Industrial Executive. He and his company, Topline Results, specialize in leading top-line revenue growth at small and medium-sized companies with a focus on B2B manufacturing technology and capital equipment. Over the last decade, Topline Results has been a leader in educating and helping B2B companies adapt to the new realities of Internet-driven changes in buying behavior. And today, we're going to talk about how companies who align their mission, their strategies, their action plans, and tools, with the way buyers think, learn, discover, and purchase, will have a huge competitive advantage. We'll learn what has worked from Todd's experience, what maybe could be avoided, and where others are missing the mark. Todd, welcome.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Stacey, for having me on the show. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Well, I am super happy to have you here because, as I was mentioning to you right before when we were chatting... Just the fact that you have in a book title, the word inbound, I was like, my ears perked up. I'm like this, anything inbound, Inbound's the future. It's the current day. So I'm so happy to have you here today.
1: My pleasure. I'm glad to be here. I, uh, I was very fortunate. The, the co-author of the book is Dan Tyre, and he was, I think, employee number six at HubSpot, where kind of the inbound revolution started, or at least named it that. And um, so it was uh, it was a lot of fun working with him and, and really spending a lot of time with HubSpot. And uh, inbound has been an idea we've been working with for almost 10 years now. So we were kind of early adopters of the idea from not only businesses that I work with, but then 10 years ago when we started our company, we were really delivering inbound and. The the ideas around inbound marketing to B2B and more traditional companies who had really had no idea what that was.
0: Yeah. And, and I get that. And I actually learned about inbound and when I did a big deep dive into it and trying to figure out what we were doing, cause I wanted software really, I wanted software for our blogs. And then I'm like, ah, look, you can do landing pages. Oh, look, you can do these things. I went with HubSpot because they had written a book and it made it so easy to understand. So there's some power, not only with HubSpot, but with books as well.
1: I'm a big fan of books. Yeah, big reader. And uh, we were very fortunate because we spent uh, we were I I've, I've spent a lot of time with Brian Halligan and Dharma Shah, the founders of HubSpot, and they were both all over the book. And um, it's really interesting how we kind of started. Uh, a couple years ago, Dan Tyre and I were at a speaking at an event in California. And we were having coffee just catching up. And I know I've known Dan since I think 2011. And uh, we both got really excited, which doesn't take a whole lot for either one of us. But um, we realized that both of us were speaking and talking to people about um, the inbound organization. And the premise is that the ideas that animated inbound marketing 10, 12 years ago when it started aren't enough anymore, that the, the – ideas that animated inbound now need to be applied to everyone in your organization across every group in your organization, if you really want to deliver on the promise of inbound marketing. So that's really where the book came from. We both realized we were kind of thinking about the same way. And we said, Hey, we should write
0: a book. That's awesome. Well, before you got to writing that book, and before you dove into that, what's your background? You know, you seem to have a lot of experience in sales.
1: Well, I've earned this gray hair, uh, honestly. Um, Yeah, I started out in in the automotive industry and uh, was working with automotive suppliers for a number of years. And then I moved on to uh, running sales and marketing for manufacturing companies. And I did that for about the first 20 years of my career. And then uh, just almost exactly 10 years ago, um, I got fired which was a a little humbling It never happened before. It was right in the middle of the great recession and I was selling lasers and nobody was buying lasers. So the the markets just kind of dried up and I found myself kind of sitting with my wife saying, what are we going to do with the rest of our lives, right? What are we going to do? And um, I realized that I had been part of teams that had grown companies significantly and that all the businesses that I'd worked with, uh, was four up to that point, had grown significantly. So I said, look, I'm just going to have my own company and we're going to do our own thing and go teach people what we know and help them grow. And um, so very soon after that, we realized that the clients we were working with uh, had no idea about how to generate leads online and had no idea how to create content beyond just a flyer or a catalog. No idea how to use, uh, uh, certainly not social media at the time, but even email marketing learning how to use that to kind of create value and and educate, educate people. You know, they were used to, these companies were used to go into trade shows or, or advertising and trade magazines and just hammering people with product, 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 and, and compete on price and really didn't understand how to do it. So, we started to work with companies and it was great because we were in some new markets where people weren't creating a lot of content. So there was a lot of room to run and our early clients saw massive success, just huge amounts of it, lead increase and, and, sales growth. Um, I remember one of the first case studies we ever did, the, the, the subtitle was, um, Uh, how to grow your business 86% and do half as many quotes uh, in one year. So that was actually, that was a real story from an actual client who saw that much growth uh, actually doing less, less quoting than they did before, because it was so targeted and so focused on, on the right audience. And um, so we, we've just been kind of moving um, from kind of inbound marketing and moved into inbound sales and, um, really just trying to help companies understand how to apply these ideas. And now, now it's consulting and advising across the entire organization where we're now talking to CEOs about why it matters um, that uh, the way you think about your mission and the kind of culture you have and how your service department responds to, uh, questions or issues and how you send bills to people and how you do things like terms and conditions. And, and I've never met anybody that, that disagrees with our basic premise, because if you just think about all the companies you work with and all the companies you interact with, think of the interactions which you feel good about and you're happy about, and then stack those up against the ones you're not happy about. Sure. Right. And it's probably eight or nine to one negative to positive for most people. Or, or if you're lucky, most of them are just neutral. So People will say to me all the time, they'll say, well, well we're all customer focused. I mean, we're, of course we're customer driven. I mean, of course we put the customer first and it's like, yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> uh, if you did more people wouldn't treat people the way uh, like most of the companies I deal with treat you.
0: Right. And it's, you know, what I love about your philosophy of, you know, what we were talking about taking, you know, inbound marketing that we all know about, inbound sales, but bringing it inbound into your organization Because everyone with all of these things, a big hurdle for people, I think, is thinking about and structuring it where you are not pushing across what you want to be pushing across, but you're actually working in an environment where you're educating and you're giving information and and, and advice and entree into what the customer actually wants, including how they want to be treated, I'm assuming.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, I just finished doing something that was like kind of one of my life goals. I I just uh, finished up in the spring semester teaching a class at a university, and I taught intro to sales. And one of the first things I did on the first class, I wrote on the board, selling is, and then I wrote a blank line, right? And I asked them, what is that? Fill in the blank. And um, it was amazing the answers I heard. These were, these were college sophomores to seniors and I got selling is pushy selling is annoying I got a lot of that stuff mm-hmm. um you know selling is is um, kind of a little bit around teaching but the one word I didn't get was the one word I think is is actually selling and that is helping right yeah uh, or so, problem
0: solving it's, it's, yeah. it's
1: problem solving yeah. is helping right yeah so so we I grounded into their heads selling is helping and yeah. and If you're anything you're doing in your sales process, if you're not helping, um, then you're not doing the kind of sales that people want. Um, I'm dealing with a large uh, um, media company right now, and and they're... they're, they're kind of struggling with this issue and they have um, a cadence for their salespeople, right? It's kind of like we have to do 40 calls a day or 40 touches a day. And it's so arbitrary and it just ends up being this kind of just repetitive, I'm gonna pound on you until you relent and buy something for me. And none of the outreaches are really helpful. It's just, it's just meeting some artificial metric that internal people set to, to drive so-called accountability or, or to make them feel right. like they're actually working. But in reality, I'd rather have two really good, helpful phone calls a day that I can drive value and and create the beginnings of a relationship that I can build on. I'd rather have far fewer conversations if they're better and more helpful than, than, I mean, how many of you have ever done this? Have you ever sent a quote out to somebody? You don't hear back from them for a week and then you call them back and say, hey, I'm just circling back to see how you're doing and see if you heard, you know, if you had any questions about that quote. Uh, That's the worst call ever, right? And again, I'm, I'm, I'm exaggerating a little bit, but the reality is a lot of our outreach is that there's just some, it's still annoying it's still bugging people it's still you know, it's still like hey when are you going to give me something right it's not it's yeah. not helpful and and that's where inbound has the ideas behind inbound have have seeped into marketing and and um, you know what about service I mean a lot of the companies I deal with and on the service end service is like well when they call us we're here they know how to find us it's a reactive thing I mean, how many people are, are really proactively helping their customers before they need a problem, right? Are they educating them, are they teaching them, you know, you've had our product for a year. These are the 10 things you should do to make sure it's working correctly, right, or that you're getting value from it. So we're, we're really pushing uh, the ideas of inbound marketing back to the customers, right, to their current Customer base. Where educate your customers. Make sure they know everything you do. Make sure they know the new um, ways you're helping your other customers like them. And um, in software, you hear a lot about uh, customer success. It's kind of a new, a relatively new um, idea, and a lot of SaaS companies do this, where they use the technology to to monitor your usage of it. Are you getting? HubSpot's a master at this, right? They. They look at um, how you use the product, how many of the tools you use, are you getting more leads, are you getting more traffic, right? They're looking at the metrics to see if you're successful. But every company can do the same thing. It doesn't matter what business you're in, you should think the same way. Right. That, to me, that's applying the ideas of inbound marketing to your entire process and your entire business.
0: Yeah, it's 100%. And what you're saying about HubSpot's true, like Their educational platform that they offer – for subscribers is unbelievable. It's, hey, let us help you make better quotes. Here's lessons on how to make better quotes. It's not just, yeah, we offer quotes. Are you using them? I mean, they really do go through that service, which is a very beneficial, much more expensive platform than some of their competitors, but it is also something that provides you with ease of use and a lot of value.
1: Yeah, it's funny. I'm going to address the that price issue. I always get my hair goes up on my neck, when I hear that HubSpot's expensive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're if you're a two or three million dollar company or anything above that, mm-hmm. right, To spend twenty or thirty thousand dollars a year on the world class marketing automation and these kind of tools, it's it's easy money, and yeah. and it will quickly return uh, value to you. And and again, if you use it correctly. And, and again, I think I see people, they're, they're penny wise and pound foolish with yep. that kind of stuff, right? HubSpot can connect you to your customers. This just happened to me this afternoon, today. I, I use HubSpot with a client to set up some uh, um, some email campaigns that were going out to a customer list that hadn't been really touched for a while. So real to, is, this client's about six months old for us. Yep. So we were trying to figure out the activity level and where we, how we could engage this client base. So we were sending out some emails talking about some new services and new opportunities this company had. And um, we created lists for each of the salespeople that were contacts that had not engaged, right? So then we created the engaged contact list. So we sent out a marketing email and the people that opened that list, we handed them to the salespeople and said, okay, this is who you want to call. This isn't that tough. This isn't that complicated. Mm-hmm. And Today, this one salesperson the last 24 hours made, I think it was nine calls, got four deals set up and one sold job in 24 hours, just using some basic marketing automation, sending helpful emails, not, hey, I want you to buy from me. It's, did you know we do this? Did you know you can do this? And then following it up with a phone call when there's some activity, right? That's where companies can use tools like HubSpot to connect all this stuff together. And, and that particular client you know, in in one day, literally, they paid for HubSpot.
0: Sure, and that's a brilliant case study.
1: There you go. So and again, to me, that's inbound. Sending somebody okay. an email that's already somebody you know isn't yeah. interruptive. If yeah. they're on, if they're on your list and they've opted in, you owe it to them to educate them. Yeah. They want to know what's going on. So you're the expert in your world. So make sure that you know how to help them, and then do it.
0: Yeah, hundred percent agree. So where else, when you're working with a company, what are you looking at? What are the red flags? Where are people going wrong?
1: I love red flags. Um, I first thing I often do is I'm going to look at somebody's website, right? And I'm going to look at the, I, I don't care about design. I don't care about graphics. I don't care about, I mean, unless it looks like it's from 1997. Uh, I, I look for the messaging, Right. Is the messaging, is the language on this site, is it about me, 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 or is it about you, you, you? Is the, is the tone and the approach, and even the voice, is it in the voice of the customer from their perspective, talking about them and their issues, or is it me talking about uh, me and showing you pictures of my building and my equipment, or here's our products list, or here's how great we are? That tells me a lot about their mindset, right? It tells me about the way they think about their business and the way they think about their customers. Um, And then I, and then I, this is maybe sounds strange, but I I oftentimes will look at companies' mission and I'll ask them, well, what's your mission? You know, what's your focus? What are you trying to do? And it is, maybe it isn't shocking, but it is oftentimes, um, I get this, uh, well, um, I'm not, uh, well, you know, they don't know. And uh, I, I was just in a workshop with a client that's a uh, global company uh, name. Everybody would know. And uh, the CEO was in the, in the meeting and maybe 30, 35 of the top sales and marketing people. And I asked that question. I said, well, what's your mission right off the bat, right at the beginning of the web of the, of the workshop. I said, who knows the mission? And uh, the only person in the room who put their hand up with the seat C- was the CEO, one person. Yeah. I said, there you go. Not much of a mission if nobody knows what it is. Right. So, um, and I learned this from, from Dharmesh Shah uh, at HubSpot. This is in the, in the book. He talks about vectors where everybody in the company is a vector and you have a velocity and a direction and everybody's pointed some way. But if you don't have a mission that unifies everybody's understanding of why you're here and what you're supposed to do and who you're doing it for and what the expectations are, then everybody's going in different directions. Mm-hmm. Right? So but you, you, to get everybody pulling in the same direction, you have to have a strong mission. And we teach people that that's got to be tied to your customer, and it's got to be tied to how you help them, and the outcomes they get. The mission isn't to be best in class, world this quality. If I see those words, it's garbage, right? If that's right. the, those are the mission statements nobody knows, right? And um, so, so I look at those two things up front a lot. Um, and again, I shop a lot of our clients. I'm gonna I'm gonna call them. I'm gonna see how they answer the phone, or do they send me in some rabbit trail? Hole of voicemail hell that I can never get out of, right? Sure. Um, do they want to hear from me or am I annoying them, right? I'm going to look for those kind of things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to search around and look at things like Glassdoor and see how other people, um, you know, what they think of them working with them. I'm going to really try to get a sense of, of how people are treated by them, the experience they get working there or doing business with them. And um, again, I'm really surprised at how many companies don't do that basic kind of homework um and, and so a lot of times for us one of the first things we'll do is we'll do once we get engaged with somebody we'll do some in-depth interviews with customers and prospects and people who they work with that that left right we want to understand from that why? Their, well, yeah why why do why? they like and and again i'm i'm constantly surprised at how many companies really don't understand why people buy from them mm-hmm. so that's those are the things i'm looking for red flags wise um Nothing too crazy. It's just, it's just kind of put myself in the shoes of the customer and try to understand what it's like to be around you.
0: And I love the fact that you brought up and mentioned Glassdoor because I remember the first time a prospective client had, we were sitting there, we were in a meeting and they're like, Oh yeah, I looked at your Glassdoor account. And at the time I'm like, wait, what is Glassdoor? Uh And I kind of knew, but I didn't really know. I'm like, we have an account there. I never set up something called Glassdoor. So Anyone who is listening to this who you don't know about it, you should Google and you should find out what is actually being said about your company by people who work for you or who interview with you, because it gives you so many insights that you'd never expect to have.
1: And the, the, the outcome of that, the reason that's important is Mm -hmm. that if we go back to the idea of this inbound organization and the idea that, that competitive advantage today and in the future is really going to be built around the experience that you create in working with people and how much you help them. Product, different, product differentiation and design differentiation, things like that are difficult to obtain today. So many competitors, everybody's so close, right? So the experience is the big differentiator. And if your people aren't happy, if your people don't have a mission, if they're not focused, if they don't really put the customer first and get rewarded for putting the customer first, you have no chance to make that customer happy, none. Um, one of my favorite quotes in the book was we ask people the question, we ask them um, what should be the priority um, customers or employees, right? Cause there's lots of quotes out there about both. So the best answer, the best answer I heard was a gentleman named Frank Osher, who's the CIO of uh, of HubSpot. And he said, uh, do you love your mother or do you love your wife? <laughs> I love that answer. I said, that's exactly right. It's both your leaders have to focus on your employees and put them first Mm -hmm. so your employees can put your customers first. And that, that's how you, that's how it works. It's really all three matter. Right. Mm -hmm. But the, if you don't put people first, customers, employees first, you you have no chance to succeed today. Right. Your product's not enough.
0: And well today really your employee is actually a customer. You're actually treating them in many ways, just as you're romancing, you're enticing, you're making sure they're happy the same way that you're doing with customers, because it's that important.
1: Exactly. Exactly. We, we talk about in the book about the inbound operating system,
0: mm-hmm.
1: how you, you use inbound principle principles to create a structure of your business internally. And one of the things we talk about is inbound recruiting, where you, you apply this kind of educational, um, thinking to the recruiting and onboarding process, or even interviewing. And, um, uh, the the output outcome is if you treat people poorly in that process right or if you if it's kind of like a um, um, a meat market approach right they're going to tell other people about it okay. and and your pe you the people that you bring on if you don't have a process where you help them onboard quickly and, and, and in an organized and focused way right they're going to tell other people because people have options. The best talent can go anywhere they want today, right? Mm-hmm. So you better have your employees' um, best interests at heart, and you better create a process for them to become the best they can be at helping your customers be what they want to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely agree with that. So what else do you look out for? What else is something that you go in and see where the apple cart might be a little upset?
1: That's a, I, I look at, uh, it depends on where the project is. If it's a marketing project, I'm looking for, um, kind of focus and where the impact is. Um, my, my thinking has always been, I'm going to find out where customers are and then I'm going to go there. Right. Sounds complicated, right? Real deep, right? Um, the quote we have, I wrote in the book was, um, you determine your strategy, your customers determine your tactics. And you figure out how you're going to go to market. You figure out how you help people the most. And from a marketing perspective, your customers, where they are, determines your tactics. Mm-hmm. And I see, I see too many marketers that want to chase the shiny thing. Uh, oh, it's Instagram. Oh, it's video today. Oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. Well, no. Step back and ask the question. Where are, my, where are my customers? How do they want me to communicate with them? Where are they going for information? And let's just not assume it. Let's know it. Let's know where they are and then do a lot of that and do a lot less of the other stuff because maybe just feel sexy and interesting. Right. Um, you know, I, I can't, I've never met a company yet in 10 plus years of consulting that I thought was really good at referrals or getting um, connected to people one-on-one, like really asking for referrals and getting their existing customers to help them get more customers. Um, it's, it's an often overlooked idea but it's the it should be the simplest thing in the world if you're helping people and you're making them happy they want to tell other people about you they want to so make it easy for them to tell other people about you right make make sure they know who is your ideal persona and how you talk talk to them give them content put the dots close together my wife always my wife always says that to me i gotta put the dots close together for you and uh you know put the dots close together for your your customers so they can refer you um you know, things like that. I, I, I tend to go back to the basics, right? Um, did you call your customers, right? Are you growing with your existing customer base? That's a big one. I look for, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Ongoing revenue, increasing revenue, retention, um, ongoing sales. Are you connected to your customer base or do you spend all your time trying to get net new? And if you spend all your time trying to get net new, you're probably, um, burning through a lot of marketing budget with a lot lower return. Um, if you're not focused on your current customer base and I've, I've literally had companies tell me, we don't know who all of our customers are. They don't have a good list. True. story. it's true. It's not, it's happened multiple times.
0: So, well, are they not buying from the? It's obviously not an e-commerce and they're capturing email and so forth. They're selling at locations or how do they not know? Yeah. These
1: would be, these would be more traditional business. Um, Mm -hmm the most recent one I had actually sold uh, food processing equipment for the consumer packaged goods industry. This is stuff that costs like a half a million dollars. It was expensive. Yeah. And uh, they were, they told me, they said, yeah, we're not sure where all of our equipment is. And then they, 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 they shipped
0: sh- it somewhere. They shipped it to a location.
1: They, they did. The records were bad. they ha- they were going to have to go through, dig through invoices and pull stuff. paper. They were going to the paper trail. And then a lot of their people that had their equipment, they didn't have contacts because people leave, right? They right. go somewhere else. So, um, we had to recreate their, their customer database. That was like job one.
0: Yeah. So,
1: um, but again, I see it all the time where companies, you know, they don't really have a robust marketing campaign to their existing customers, huge opportunity um, to improve sales quickly. Um, that's, those are things I look for. Okay.
0: That makes sense. Okay. And then when you start working with a company, so you've realized that obviously hopefully they have a customer database of some sort that is modernized and not on little stubs of pieces of paper that are just like notes written down all over the place. Right. Uh, What is the next thing that you do with that management team? Where do you sit down and direct them to go?
1: Well, again, it's going to depend on the, on the, uh, the goals of their, of the the company, what they want to do. But um, again, in general, I'm going to make sure they have a robust, customer retention marketing plan in place first, right? You got to keep what you have. You've, you've already generated these customers, right? Even if they're unhappy, you're better off spending time and money to make them happy than it is to try to go start over. And then I'm going to figure out why you made them unhappy. So you don't do that anymore. Um, I think that's a really foundational piece, right? Just make sure you're taking care of your customers. Make sure you've got a process and place to place to educate them and, and, and stay close to them. Because again, if you're not, your competitors are going to, um, where we're going to go from there, you know, from there is um, I'm going to try to understand their mindset in terms of of marketing. Are they thinking of it as a cost or an investment? Mm-hmm. Do they invest long term in things like educational content for a website to establish um, ranking and optimization? Right. I mean, um, you know, SEOs changed a lot, but at the the end of the day, it's ninety some percent, ninety eight percent of B two B searches start with the internet. So I mean, right. you better you better be there, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm looking at that, and and um, there better be a commitment there to create content and and stay with it. Have a have a long term strategy to create content so that people can find you. And 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 again, basic inbound marketing kind of stuff. Um, again, I see it all the time. I see large companies uh, that have um, you know that are very successful that are getting just battered online by smaller competitors because the smaller competitors recognize that that's where they can build leverage. So I'm, I'm looking for that. I'm looking at, is it, if it's a smaller company, or is there an opportunity to, to go after some big companies or if it's a bigger company, are there opportunities to defend against some, some upstarts to get the digital inbound world? Um, again, I'm going to be looking at, um, um, kind of again a strategy a lot of companies talk about strategy but in terms of really understanding a strategy the way customers want you to have a strategy i I see it rarely done well and what i mean by that is is you may have a strategy for your product, you may have a, a strategy for your design or pricing strategy but but what's your strategy to create a kind of that experience across your entire business that is unique and different. And to me, that's what the inbound world is now, right? It's, it's about how do I create this culture internally that can create this experience across my entire business. So um, sometimes we get brought in to do a top-down thing where somebody gets the whole, the whole concept and they say, yeah, we want to have our whole business be this way. And other times I'm brought in to solve a small problem and then we kind of scale up to to that side. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on how we are brought in and what is the trigger for somebody to pick up the phone and call me.
0: And then are you traditionally looking at it from every little aspect of that company? so you're looking at it from employees, you're looking at it from marketing, you're looking at it from sales, and you're looking at it from just overall corporate governance of how the company is being run.
1: Yeah, again, it depends on what how we're yeah. brought in and, and the who brings us in. but yeah, ultimately that's where you want to get because um, if your boss is if the C, if the CEO the leader is saying. Uh, You got to hit these numbers no matter what. And I just, you know, just hit the cadence and make the calls and and spend the money on the ads. And and that's all they're thinking about, then it gets harder to sit back and, and think about the customer and go at their pace. And I mean, think about a salesperson who's got a bad fit prospect. Right? Mm-hmm. Think about your culture. If you have a culture that says, I got to hit my numbers. I got to close business. I got to make them, ha- I got to get the numbers. They're going to do whatever they can. And even if it, it gets to selling that bad fit business, well, guess what? What does the bad fit business do? Even if you sell them, you know, they get to the point where they don't see value. Mm-hmm. They don't see the return. They don't see the benefits and they're going to, they're going to leave and they're going to get mad. Maybe they give you bad reviews and they tell other people mm-hmm. and, and, and you've wasted your time and theirs. So Again you may have won in the short term but you're going to lose in the long term so your your culture and how you your salespeople and your your team is going to handle those opportunities is is going to make the difference and um, um, the culture matters right the the, the leadership and, and the the what they push downhill makes a huge difference and um, the companies that really get this selling is helping basic stuff right if you really can live that and and, and stick to it then you're going to be just fine
0: and then, with the whole world of inbound, just in general, when you're looking at, you know, there's lots of companies using inbound, and they say they're using it for marketing and they say they're using it for sales. But as we all know, sales and marketing and never the two shall meet in many businesses. They don't necessarily walk the same walk, communicate internally with each other. Um, what are some of your best practices that you suggest there of trying to mend those fences and bring people together? Because some companies are now going down and they're creating just a sales and marketing team and department, but there's still a lot of companies out there who have both entities.
1: Yeah, and that's true. And I would add the, the third piece of that is the this idea of customer success. They should be, because the after sale is part of the process too. And um, I, I think the the separation of the departments, there's lots been talked about this, uh, marketing, right? You're going to kind of bring them together. The the again, I think it goes back to the mindset issue, right? That that it's well, we do this, and there's this wall between marketing and sales. And and, and again, I always challenge executives to say, do your customers care where it, where it drops off from marketing and goes to sales? Do they really care, right? Or is it make sense in terms of their experience that it's an easy, simplify, simple handoff? And and is the experience adding to what I learned. So, so if your marketing department gets and is creating all kinds of helpful content and I'm searching and I find you, and then I realize, Hey, you know, these guys might be able to help me. And then you get on the phone with a salesperson and the experience goes to, um, you know, Hey, I, I," you know, it becomes a high pressure sales pitch Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And all they're doing is trying to get you to get a quote, you know, take a quote and get an order. It's, it's not, it's disconnect, right? It doesn't, it doesn't fit. And customers are smart enough and they, they're, they're, their senses are up on this stuff. It doesn't work anymore. You've got to have a unique kind of continuum of experience that's, that adds to, each step adds to it, and, and that, that departments have to be together. And I, again, there's a lot of ways to do it. You can have a chief revenue officer that kind of sits over the whole process. You can have them, you know, cross-functional teams where you're all working on the same prospects through customer, through the, the life of that contact. Um, one of the things that we see as a huge issue is technology, where there's no centralized view of the customer. So what marketing knows sales doesn't and what sales knows service doesn't. That's a huge issue where we see a disconnect. So um, if there's no unified view of that customer, then it gets difficult for people to have the right context. So we would, would, I mean, again, I don't think it's all that complicated. I think you have agreements between the different groups, service level agreements that say, here's what we're going to do. Here's what you're going to do. And you meet regularly and you, and you go through the process of looking at actual leads, talk to them and ask them about the the, the handoffs in the process is it is it adding to the customer do they like the experience and then you, you build it off build it from there but one big area I see where marketing falls down a lot with sales is marketing doesn't identify the the value proposition or understand the end users' value and what they get out of it enough and I think sales then they think they know and, and sales will go off and think that this is what they actually get. So there's this disconnect between what marketing is saying in their, in their ads or in their, their outreach or their content. And then sales kind of goes in a different direction. And I think that's an area where if you go back to kind of their value proposition, like why we're different, what we deliver, why somebody would buy from us, what are the biggest outcomes we deliver? And if, if marketing can try that because marketing should know, because they should be talking to them after the sale, they should be getting all this feedback. And they can educate the sales team and the service team. And again, I think that's a big goal of marketing. It should be a goal of marketing. Because mm-hmm. I look at marketing as over top of sales. Like marketing is this big thing and sales is a, a smaller component. Piece.
0: It's yeah. like a component of the overall organization.
1: Exactly. So, so marketing to me has that responsibility. They should know better than anybody mm-hmm. how you how the, the customer is impacted by your solution. So marketing should be driving that message through the sales department, through the service and, and success departments. And marketing should be driving that. And marketing too oftentimes is just viewed as the tactical. Oh, right. just go run, run those ads, get that web page up, do that catalog, do this. Right. And they don't think about that, right? So that's somebody else figures it out. So uh, successful companies in the future, marketing is going to have their fingers on the pulse of the customer. They're going to know them the best. They should. And they should be sitting at the table in board meetings. They should be with a CEO. Frankly, more and more CEOs should be for marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, than they are Um, in my world in b2b companies and a lot of industrial companies the ceo or founder tends to be technical they're an engineer so their marketing to them is like "Ah," it's like they don't they they don't think it's that critical but um that's that's a company that's something else i look for right is this is this driven by a technical person who's going to be more often than not very product focused and that's an opportunity where you can you can apply inbound principles and see a big impact so um whatever way companies do it, they got to get all these, anybody that touches a customer needs to be on the same page.
0: And they need to have the human element brought into it.
1: Yeah. I mentioned before the whole, uh, the whole voicemail, hell thing. Don't put me in that. I hate that. Press one for this. No, nah, that's bad. Don't do that.
0: <laughs> and don't call to follow up for a quote. Say, Hey, did you have a chance to review my quote?
1: Don't do that either. Right. Don't do that either. I know you want the answer. I know you want my business, right? Help me. Give me an answer. Right. Right. Send me something helpful, right?
0: <laughs> hey, here's an opportunity. Hey, here's an article. Hey, I was just thinking about this the other day. and thought this might help you. Yep.
1: Think about how valuable your attention is, and how 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 much you hate interruptive phone calls or yeah. or low value added or or um, here's another pet peeve of mine. It's Friday afternoon, so it's pet peeve day. Um, the, the email where somebody sends it back and said thanks, and that's it. Man. Mm-hmm. Don't send that email. My goodness, Sense, do something. Make it. If I'm going to give you any attention at all, give me give me something. Right, a right. link to a, link to a blog post, an article, right. one of Stacy's podcasts. Send try something.
0: try something to show that you're giving effort <laughs> of some kind.
1: Exactly. exactly.
0: Yeah, there's this tool on LinkedIn that oh, it just it bothers me. So if you're in a conversation with someone going back and forth, or you're connecting with them, and they're connected with you, it's like. Who can have the last word? And that's what your thanks reminds me of. And so what people do is they hit the thumbs up. So they get something. You don't need to respond. Hey, thanks for the connection. Really great. Well, you could respond with, hey, you know, let's do this. Let's have this conversation. Here's an article. Here's If you just thumbs up, like it's the same thing as your thanks. It's like that's such a wasted breath.
1: It is. It is. And that's fine if it's your mom. Okay. But you know, if it's, if, it, if you're in a business, you know, be professional, right. Be, um, add value. You should have, I, I teach salespeople that you should have a long list of value added tools, yeah. guides, links, and you should be adding to it regularly. And you should be able to dip into your, your, your list and your resources anytime and be able to share that with, without even really having to think about it. And again, even better, you should be able to put things in the context of that specific person because you know enough about their specific situation that I've got 10 things in my, in my, uh, that I'm going to share with this person to help them out. And um, again, it doesn't always have to be a link. It could be a comment, right? Mm -hmm. A a good question. Um, Did you know that this, were you aware? Ask a good question. A good question that gets them to think about things differently is mm. so powerful in our minds. It's just so powerful. Um, and I'm not talking about the kind of basic discovery questions that you should already know the answers to. So what's your biggest threat or what keeps you up at night? Oh, goodness gracious. Don't ask that question. Um, it should be something that is in their context that gets them to say, Hey, yeah, you know, I never thought of that. Or, you know, you're right. We have that problem. So mm. how can I learn more about that? Right. Yeah. That's, that's our job, right. <laughs> is to challenge and, and to push and to help. And um, we rarely do it with a catalog a brochure or a website page that's showing a product. It's, it's, it's gotta be about them. Always has to be.
0: Now I'm like making little notes on this little piece of paper that I'm flashing here. Um, Because, you know, I think I do well sometimes remembering to do that little list of value, but I'm not sure all of our team does. And so that's something even as an organization that you don't need to leave it up to your employers, employees to do maybe, And it's something that your team could actually put together a concentrated effort of, hey, here's things or here's the tidbits of the week that are the most valuable that you might want to share with people.
1: And if you're using good sales tools, you should get feedback on those, you know, which links were clicked, which files were Mm -hmm. opened, and you should share that back with your team, right? They should, Mm -hmm. these should be conversations on your sales team, your marketing team, what's engaging people, what's getting Mm -hmm. more attention, right? And you can start to share it. And, and, and I mean, heaven forbid, you actually ask your customers questions, right? I mean, you actually ask them good questions, or you list the questions they ask you. This Mm -hmm. is my friend, Marcus Sheridan, right? Talk about another book. Um, great book, they ask you, answer talks about content, right? They ask you okay. questions, you answer them pretty simple, right? Great book. Um, and that's a, it's a great idea, right? Think about every question your customers ask you and then create content to answer them and then share it with your team. How tough is that?
0: Well, that's how we have a blog because I got <laughs> to a point where I uh, was listening to clients. I was pitching or clients that we had and I'd start talking to them and then I'd be like, I'm going to write them a note and my little note would be, you know, a 2500 word entry that, <laughs> yeah, it'd be a little more lengthy than just a little quick email. And so it turned into a blog and then that was once a week and I pushed myself to do these. And then we started blogging up to three to five times a week, like we do now. And then those I turned into podcasts as how to help you type things. And so you really don't, if you're listening to your customers, you really have so much content that you can create? Because I constantly talk to people who are like, oh, I don't know how I could get content. How do I create content? It's like, well, what questions are people asking you? And then answer them.
1: And and everybody's creating content all day long. People just don't recognize it, right? The the phone calls, your voicemails, your emails, you're sending people your presentations, the sales conversations, they're all content.
0: Record them. Send them to Rev or Temi and transcribe them turn them into a blog, turn them into an article, turn them into an ebook, turn them into quotes for your social media. It's endless. I,
1: it would, I, if I was a, if I was a buyer and say a, a complex sale, um, I would love to, if my salesperson had a podcast like we're doing right now yeah. and they interviewed and talked to people, mm-hmm. uh, I would be like blown away, right? Hey, it's, this is the person who's the expert talking yeah. about these issues, right? Yeah. Podcasts are great. There's t- podcasts are you can multiply the content in podcasts in a mm-hmm. hundred ways. Um, you just need to, people need to think out of the box a little bit. The, the, the communication tools are there. It's about, it's about thinking about it and whether you put the effort in to think about things from the customer's perspective, right? Nobody wants to hear you talk about you or their products. They want you to talk about them and their problems, and their issues.
0: Yeah. Provide solutions. Give me ways that I can be better, do things better and make less stupid mistakes. That's like the answer to everything.
1: Yeah, I I think most good consulting starts with those kind of basic things, right? If are you doing the blocking and tackling? Are you are you so in your own head that you're in that you've forgotten these kind of basic things? I I spend a lot of time with with things that are kind of second nature to me. But um, it's funny when I'm working on my website, I was working on my own website this morning and I had to bring in somebody that I know who's an expert at messaging because I was so stuck in my own head mm-hmm. and I, I, it was terrible what I was writing. And I brought, he, I, I gave it to him and he came in and, and we spent two hours together and he asked me five or six questions. And I was just like, yeah, you're right. I didn't think of it that way. Like, and, I, and I'm talking to you about the, what you're supposed to do. And I still got stuck in my own head when I was doing my own website and and I think that's the issue. It, it's so hard to step out of your day to day operations and your 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 habits of thinking, and and that to be challenged is is the key, right? To step out and look back and say, oh, "Hey, I didn't think of that before." And, and that's why it's so important for marketing and salespeople to to be asking their customers about the experience and about the process, and and for business leaders to understand that, you know, it's not just about the product; it's about this experience and. What experience is my company creating or what culture have I created as a leader that results in a poor experience for our customers? I think more and more leaders need to be asking those questions to get out of their own head and think about things from the way the customer view their company.
0: That's great advice. So since your book has so much more great advice in it, can you share where people can find it? Any other additional information about it so our listeners can race out or jump on Amazon and purchase it.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's called Inbound Organization. We have a website, inboundorganization.com. There's a ton of information there about the book. Uh, there's a lot of uh, information about Dan and I. There's a lot of other free resources there. Big shock, giving away free stuff, right? Free, helpful resources. There's an assessment on there that you can take free. We're not asking you for email. We won't even ask you to convert. You, we're just giving it away. Going to ask you some questions about your business and see how inbound you are and give you some tips on where you might be able to improve. And um, books available everywhere. Amazon's great. You can find it in most Barnes and Nobles. Um, 800 CEO reads wherever you buy books, you'll be able to find it. And um, my company's website's top-line-results.com want to learn more about what we're doing and um, I'm easy to find on LinkedIn and anywhere else. So I'd love to talk to you and hear your feedback um, about your company, whether you think you're, you've got, a, you've got some interesting inbound attributes. I'd love to hear your stories and uh, learn more about how you guys, uh, how you guys think about inbound.
0: And Todd, any last parting words of advice to our listeners?
1: Yeah, I, look at yourself, look in the mirror, shop yourself, right? Look at your website. Look at, like I said before, look at the messaging. Um, you know, really take yourself out of your own shoes the best way you can get somebody you trust. That's a, a peer in another business to, to shop you or, or to look at your marketing, look at your, how you're doing your sales. And, and you know, this is the biggest mistake I see is that um, it's not from the customer's perspective and why would I care? Right. It's, mm-hmm that's the biggest thing I see. That's the biggest issue because that gets back to your mindset. It gets back to the mission of the company. It gets back to the the culture internally. And again, that's the thing I'm looking for and uh, you can do it. You have to just put Mm -hmm. kind of a different hat on and think of yourself in a different way. And um, yeah, I think that's the biggest thing you need to do and then, uh, and then go inbound.
0: Perfect. Todd, thank you so much for being here today. It was a pleasure. I learned a ton. Oh,
1: thank you. It's my pleasure to be here, Stacey. Next time we're going to have you on my podcast, I want to ask you the same questions.
0: That sounds great. We'd love to do it. And to all of our listeners, thank you so much for listening to Marketing Mistakes and How to Avoid Them. We'll chat on our next podcast.